0: Psalm 96, verse 1. Oh sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous work among all the peoples, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens and the earth. Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. For he comes to judge the earth He will judge the world in righteousness And the peoples in his faithfulness
1: Uh, And good morning everyone uh, Happy New Year to you all Uh, My name's Tom Smith, I'm a member of the congregation here uh, And I just want to add my welcome uh, To that that Ben gave earlier to you But apologies if it seems a bit rude But can I just ask What on earth are you doing here In that I don't mean why you're here at St Joseph's on this Sunday morning at the very start of 2023. I don't even mean just to ask, why do you come to church at St Joseph's or Hope Church at all? Actually, it's a deeper question of our very purpose and existence. Why are we here? Is there a purpose to life, or is it just an excuse for a good time, to eat, drink, be merry? Why on earth are we here? So some are going to say that our purpose is just to pass on our genes to a new generation through having or raising children, helping their development so they grow grow up and in turn pass on their genes to a new generation. Others are gonna say there's no purpose to life at all. We should just make the most of what we've got and try not to hurt other people. Or some take a wrong reading from that book of Ecclesiastes where the writer starts off with the famous declaration of meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, utterly meaningless, while forgetting the conclusion of the book, which is fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. So if that's you this morning, and perhaps New Year's Day is as good a day as any to think through these issues, our psalm this morning should help us to get to grips with first of all what our priorities should be, why we should do it and then finishing with who should do it. But before we get stuck into that, let me pray. Dear God, we want to thank you for the Psalms and their reminder of who you are. Please help me this morning to speak clearly and accurately and help us all to understand your will for our lives in the year ahead. Amen. So if you have your Bible, please do turn to Psalm 96 on page 499 in the uh, the church Bibles. This psalm's a great declaration of the importance of worshiping God, of singing songs, of blessing and ascribing glory to his name, of declaring his name to all the nations, and using all sorts of new songs and word pictures to do so. What comes across is an amazing prayer time with the heavens, seas, fields, and trees, All joining in a great song of just how great God is. I think there's two responses to that or at least that's what it feels like to me. Firstly there's just to do it, to feel part of that great chorus of praise. We know what God has done for us and we acknowledge what difference it makes in our lives. The deep joy of knowing that we are put right with God through undeserved and unearned grace. If that's you this morning, great. We'll go through some of the reasons why God is so great from this psalm in a minute or two. But mostly this morning, I'll be encouraging you to keep going on in singing this new song to our great God. But the other alternative is it might leave you cold. Whether you're a Christian and the cares and challenges of life that Lindsay prayed for earlier, make it hard to see God's goodness. Whether you're not yet a Christian, And this call to worship leaves you perplexed as to why on earth anyone should be enthusiastic at all about God. Well, the reasons I cover later may help, but I do think we need to spend out some time laying out some foundations about why worshipping and praising God's name should be a priority for us. That's why I started with the question of why we're here. Now I'm aware it's a big topic for a Sunday morning at the beginning of a new year, so it's really good, we've got a couple of guides to help us answer that question. So most of all, most importantly, is Jesus. His response to the question of what is the most important commandment was clear and succinct. He said in Mark chapter 12, hear O Israel, the Lord your God is one, love the Lord your God." with all of your heart, with all of your soul, all of your mind and all of your strength. Keeping this love for God as our top priority will be critical to, here, to us here at St. Joseph's at Hope Church and will be important to keep hold of as we undertake the very exciting and daunting challenges that 2023 will bring. Another bit of helpful advice on priorities is from my own background uh, in learning the shorter catechism uh, that I learned in my Sunday school growing up in Belfast. This was in the 1970s and 80s, so learning by rote was very much in vogue, along with a complete disregard for any rules of grammar. This catechism is kind of a foundational document of the key things that Christians believe. While I confess I can't remember much of more than the first question of answer. That, at least, has stuck with me through the years. Where question one asks, what is the chief end of man? What's the most important thing that people should do? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Even in the antiquated language of 450 years ago, this is a great lesson and summary of why on earth are we here? The catechism answer is clear. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Not primarily to do stuff. Even the really good and useful stuff that we do here at St. Joseph's. Like prayer meetings and evangelism. Debt centres and midway groups and stewarding and coffee and crash and children's teams and encounter. But to glorify the Lord and to enjoy him. I'm hoping that if you knew even something of the grace of God... His forgiveness of us through no merit or goodness of our own. But this doesn't leave you moved, cold or unmoved. But if it does, this psalm is a great start at getting back to that core purpose and meaning. I also find it's really helpful to look at some books around the subject about what this worship God and enjoy him forever is. Can I encourage you, if you haven't already, to look at uh, a book called uh, 40 Days of Purpose uh, by Rick Warren? Now, uh, our brother Jonathan Redfern introduced this to me about 15 years ago now, and it was and is a great practical help in living according to God's promise. Rick's introduction is a great summary. So he says, It's not about you, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. But you might well say to me this morning, why, why Tom? Why should we worship God? Why should we glorify him and enjoy him forever? And that's a really great question. The psalm covers some of the reasons why, but our worship isn't some unthinking, happy thoughts or hero worship, emptying our minds in thoughtless meditation, but instead is based on the very nature and reality of our God. So let's have a quick look at five of these points that the psalmist writes for us this morning. So why should we worship God? Well, reason one, is the first aspect is that God is worthy of us because of his salvation. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day in verse 2. The writer of this psalm only had a vague outline of God's salvation plan. The immediate focus of this plan was as a large corporate worship, perhaps as God's chosen people going up to the temple, remembering the times when God saved them as a people from invasion, oppression, hunger and famine. But that salvation enough was reason to enjoy God and worship him. How much more do we know of God's saving work in Jesus? In his sermon just a fortnight ago, Ben Cadu Hudson reminded us of the privilege of that salvation, of being put right with God and as a result being adopted into his family so that we can call him Abba, Father. Friends, if we know the privilege of this salvation, then thanking God is the least we can do. And if you don't yet know know the privilege of being adopted as heirs to the kingdom of God, can I encourage you to take it seriously this year? Make use of the resources available at the church uh, to do so on our website, including this really helpful book, A Better Life. You can just pick up these free on any of the notice boards at the back or out the back, at the back of church or out that way, which is the front of church. We now move on to the second reason outlined in the psalm in verse 3, God's marvelous works among the people. So verse 3 says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. What a great phrase that is. We get a sense of the spectacular nature of God and his obvious power and majesty. While we don't quite know the exact events that the writer, writer of this psalm has in mind, the clear similarities of the words used in the Chronicles narrative, that's 1 Chronicles chapter 16, when King David, newly enthroned in Jerusalem, brings the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. So the marvelous works the psalmist will have in mind will have included the very public act of the exodus of the people of Israel from Egypt, where God's power first humbled the Pharaoh, then crossed the Red Sea, then led them safely through the desert giving the law, literally feeding his people and guiding them with fire and cloud. Or perhaps it was the events that led to the establishment of the nation of Israel in a land flowing with milk and honey, or the spectacular destruction of the walls of Jericho. Or despite the challenges of warlike and hostile neighbours, a safeguarding of God's people in God's place, under God's rule through the mighty acts of the judges. The next reason is that he is the only true God, so verse 4, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, he is to be feared above all gods. Again here the psalmist is clear about the uniqueness of God, feared above all other gods who are worthless idols. The gods of his day were the idols of Baal and Asherah, statues and household gods or worshipping the created mountains and streams. Our alternative gods today may seem more sophisticated money, sex, power, pleasure, prestige. But beside the true God, they're just as worthless. Only the true God is worthy of our praise and worship. And that true God stands out in our next reason. He's the creator and maker of the heavens. He made the heavens, and therefore the heavens and all creation will join with him in that crescendo of praise and worship so verses 11 and 12 let the heavens be glad let the earth rejoice let the sea roar and all that fills us let the field exult and everything in it then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy what an amazing picture of all things created acknowledge our creator in this new song of praise the final reason given in this psalm is that God is a good judge in verse 10 we see that God will judge the people with equity, while in verse 13, the Lord comes to judge the earth. He will judge the earth, world, and righteousness, and the peoples in his faithfulness. I don't know you, about you, but that can sometimes feel a little strange thing. Judges um, are normally a little bit scary. The aim of many of us, I guess, is to avoid any experience of the criminal justice scheme. So I remember when I was locked up in the old Sunderland central police uh, cells for an hour or two. That was part of my induction into the Crime and Disorder Reduction Partnership for the city. But even though I was just there to understand the system better and I would be let out, I'd done nothing wrong, the experience was still challenging and isolating. But I do think actually in a world without any form of justice would be much worse. And actually, our inbuilt sense of right and wrong, however corrupted it might be, is a clear sign of the fact that our lives do have purpose. We are created beings and created in the image of our God, including his justice. And what a justice that is. Unlike ours, it is perfect, fair, righteous, and good. To the oppressed and refugees among us, we can be comforted and give worship that our God is the ultimate and all-powerful righteous judge of all the world. So we've looked at why we should worship God. Let's have a, the psalm also covers who should worship God. We've seen the psalm makes clear of the necessity of giving worship, of singing to our great God, and some of the reasons for doing so. But again, you might want to say, say to me, Tom, that's all right for you. That's your truth, not mine. Uh, Just let me get on with my life. I'm happy. Leave me alone. If that's you, welcome. It's great you're here. Church is a good place to engage with such questions. And there's perhaps no better day than the start of the year to think these things through. This psalm, however, is clear that we should ascribe greatness to the Lord in all peoples and say among all the nations, the Lord reigns. So we see this again and again in the psalm. In the following verses, verse 1, sing to the Lord all the earth. Verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous works among the peoples. In verse 7, ascribe to the Lord, families of the people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. And verse 9 and 10, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So God's truth here is for all people, in all places, part of our job of worship as his people is declare his glory and say that the Lord reign, reigns as we ascribe glory to his name. And as we proclaim the truth of that to the whole world, to join in our song of praise to our unique creator, our saving God. So whether it's our mission, parter, mission partner, Chris, who's now giving his first talk in Spanish in his church in Valencia today, or Alison Robin showing God's love in the Balkans, or Elspeth in her work in North Africa, or the Potters in Mozambique, or those from all the nations who join with us this morning in Benwell. Let's join together in proclaiming our God reigns. So I've been very struck by the simple but profound message of this psalm, of singing this new song to our Creator and a unique God. And I've been challenged by how often I forget to make worshipping and blessing God's name a priority in my own life as I get caught up in the busyness of life, distractions through laziness, through my own lack of discipline. So I thought I'd try and experiment this year ahead. Now you can probably tell from the state of me that I'm not a great one for New Year's resolutions in general, and actually I particularly dislike starting them on New Year's Day but I have sorted two in the last week for the year ahead. Easiest I think to, I think, is to listen to a new song about God's greatness every day in 2023. Now I've got the first 90 days so sorted with Ian White's great series on the Psalms set to modern music. That's downloaded and ready to go. That gets me to the end of March. And then with the many recommendations that I've been given, particularly from Hannah and Dave, uh, by small group leaders over the years, I've got plenty to keep going. But do please let me know if you've got anything you'd like uh, any help to give. And maybe consider joining with me in my resolution. More challenging than that, for someone like me at least, is to use this new song to reflect more on the greatness of God. To give thanks to him for his goodness. And before every church service, meeting or prayer group at St. Joseph's. Any active service to commit to worship God and enjoy him forever. So as we come to an end, I think the writer John Piper in his book Desiring God gives some really good advice on keeping that priority clear in our life. He says, don't let your worship decline to the performance of mere duty. Don't let the childlike awe and wonder be choked out by our unbiblical views of virtue. Don't let the scenery and poetry and music of our relationship with God shrivel up and die. You have capacities for joy that you can scarcely imagine. And to close, it's worth looking ahead, not just to the year ahead, not just to the rest of our lives, but to the new heaven and the new earth. We we're reminded about in our reading from Revelation. For those who are saved, we have privilege in joining with the elders, the four creatures, with the Son of Man, joining with every creature in heaven and on earth and under this earth and in the sea and all that is in them, as together we sing a new song in loud voices. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom, and might, and power, and glory, and blessing, to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be blessing, and honor, and glory, for might, forever, and ever. What a day that will be. And together with all the people of God, we will say together, Amen.